Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Uh, we, we're now going to be having our Bible reading from Ephesians chapter 2, and starting from verse 11 all the way through to verse 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, rebuilt on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Amen. One of my uh, most favorite Bible teachers was a lady by the name of Lish Eves. And she had been a missionary in Indonesia for many years before she became a lecturer at the London School of Theology. And one day I can remember her telling us about her ideal church. And her ideal church was, first of all, she said, it had to be on a tropical island. Well, we all like the sound of that. And then she said, it, it, it can't have any walls. It must have no walls, no divisions, no barriers. It must be an open church, open to everyone. And then she was quick to add that it it must have a roof so the coconuts would not fall on her head. And she always had a very much of a down-to-earth spirituality, which, which we really enjoyed. I could never really figure out how you could have a roof without walls, uh, but I wasn't about to argue with her. I did, however, like the idea of an open church. A church that had no walls, no dividers, no barriers, but open to everyone. Unfortunately, so often within the church we find that there are walls, there are barriers, there are divisions. And it was very much the case within the first century. There was a massive division, there was a hostility between the Jews, the Jewish Christians... And the Gentile Christians. You see, according to the Jewish law, 
the Jews couldn't associate with Gentiles. Now, Gentiles are simply non-Jews. So we would be Gentiles. Anyone who's not a Jew is, would be classified as a Gentile. And the Jewish law prohibited the Jews from associating with the Gentiles, with, with having a meal with the Gentiles. And there were many things in the law that would uh, mark them off, show everyone else that they are Jewish. So the Jews had to wear certain clothes. They would have clothes with tassels on have a certain hairstyle with curls on the side. They could only eat kosher food, so no pork. And all these outward signs were referred to, or referred to as scholars as the works of the law. And the most important work of the law was circumcision. Circumcision was the, 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 the main sign to show whether you were Jewish whether you were part of the, the family of God. And that's why if you've been doing the community Bible experience, you've been reading through Paul, you would notice he mentions circumcision quite a lot. Because it's the most important sign that you are part of the family, that you are part of God's family, that you are Jewish. And of course, it's, it's only available for males. And so as a Gentile... As a non-Jew, if you wanted to convert to Judaism, you had to conform to all of these works of the law. You had to dress in a certain way, you had to have a certain hairstyle, you had to only eat kosher food, no pork, and if you were a male, you had to be circumcised. And that's why circumcision becomes such a big issue. But even as a Gentile who has converted to Judaism, you, you, you never really felt completely accepted. You never really felt part of the family. And this was particularly seen in the temple, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. The Jewish temple in Jerusalem was made up of a number of courts. And in the innermost court, was referred to as the Holy of Holies, was the place where God's presence was. And no one was allowed to go into that court. Only the high priest, only once a year to make a sacrifice. Otherwise, no one was allowed to enter this holy court. And there was a wall, a big curtain that came down as a divide. No one could get into The next court was the court of the priests. So no one's allowed in there. And up to here, you could have the priests in the front rows. This is for the priests. And then there was another divide, another wall. And then you have the court for all the men. The Jewish men could sit here. They could come this way. And then there would be another wall, dividing and stopping. And then at the back you would have the woman, the court where the Jewish woman could sit. And then once again another wall. And then right at the back, up at the, the balcony, was the court for the non-Jews. And there was a wall, small wall, separating them, preventing them from coming any further. And there was a sign on the wall written in Greek and in Latin, warning that if any non-Jew stepped over that line, they would be killed. They were separated. And so even as a, a Gentile who has converted to Judaism, you never really felt part of the family because you were relegated to the back seat, the seats, the cheap seats. You could get nowhere near 
the presence of God who was right up here at the front. And there were Jewish Christians who weren't associating with Gentile Christians. There were Jewish Christians who were insisting that the, that the non-Jewish Christians, the Gentile Christians, had to conform to all these works of the law. That they had to eat certain food, dress in a certain way, and all the males had to be circumcised. And there were certain Jewish Christians who thought they were superior, they were more loved by God, because they were Jewish. And so Paul, who is, by the way, a Jewish Christian, writes to the, all these Christians who are living around about Ephesus, who are predominantly non-Jewish Christians, to encourage them. Because you see, they started feeling, they started having an inferiority complex. They started feeling like second-class citizens. That they weren't really part of the family. And so Paul writes this letter to them to encourage them and to tell them that they are part of the family of God because of what Jesus has done for them. And so we pick up the, the, the letter in verse 11 of chapter 2. And Paul writes, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, he's talking about all these Christians who live around Ephesus who are Gentiles, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Uh, there was a group, there was a group of Jewish Christians who were insisting that the non-Jewish Christians conform to all the works of the law, especially circumcision. Which is done in the body by human hands. Paul says it's done by human hands, implying that circumcision isn't God's sign that you belong to the family. By the way, Paul argues that God's sign that you belong to the family is because you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. And he reminds them that there was a time when they didn't know Jesus, and therefore they were separated from God. And they were without hope. But things have changed. Verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who, you who once were far away, remember the image of the, the temple? They were the Gentiles who were right at the back in the cheap seats. You who were far away have been brought near, have been brought right up to the front have been brought right into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. You see, it's because of Jesus' death for us, and when we put our faith in Jesus, that we are brought right into the Holy of Holies, right into the presence of God. Verse 14, For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility? They're talking about the dividing walls. The image is still that of the temple with all those walls dividing and separating the courts. And the picture here is that of Jesus 
going through the temple with a sledgehammer and, and just destroying, just knocking down all the walls. He's just destroying all the walls. There are no walls dividing anyone. But what do those walls actually symbolize? Verse 15. Uh, 15. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. Remember, it was the Jewish law. It was the works of the law that you had to obey. Uh, you had to eat kosher food. You had to be circumcised and all of this. That Jesus has abolished. He set aside. His purpose, continue in verse 15. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. Thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came to preach peace to you who were far away, the the, the non-Jews right in the back in the chief seats, and peace to those who were near, the Jews who were right up close. See, the Jews were very close to the, the Holy of Holies, but even they... Were not in, did not have access to the presence of God. There was a dividing wall there. So there's kind of this double hostility. Firstly, there's a hostility between all the courts. Between the, the courts of the priests, the courts of the men, the court of the woman, the court of the Gentile. There's, a, there's hostility amongst those courts. The priests look down their noses at the men. The men won't talk to the woman. And no one wants anything to do with the Gentiles. There's this hostility. And so Jesus, through his death, he's broken down all these walls. So that if you put your faith in Jesus, it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're male or female, whether you're a priest or not, we all one, we all become part of one new humanity. But there's still this dividing wall over here. But Jesus has destroyed that wall too. And so through faith in Jesus, we all become one. And then in Jesus, he brings us right into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies, so that we all can have access to God. And the result of that is in verse 19. Consequently, you who are no longer foreigners, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. There's no such thing as a second-class citizen in the church. Everyone is a first-class citizen. doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, male or female, priest or not. Everyone's a first-class citizen. More than that, and also members of his household. That's God's household. If you put your faith in Jesus, you become part of God's family. If you put your faith in Jesus, God becomes your father, your Abba father. And that means we're brothers and sisters. We're all brothers and sisters on an equal footing. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So Paul goes back to the image of a temple. Not the old temple that Jesus has broken down all the walls, but a whole new temple that Jesus creates. And the 
The, the foundation is the prophets and the apostles with Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone of that foundation. He gives strength and unity to the whole structure. And each stone that is built on that temple is are the Jewish Christian believers, the Gentile Christian believers. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or Gentile. Each, each time a person, a new person puts their faith in Jesus, a new stone is added to that building. And so slowly the temple rises up and gets bigger and bigger. And God dwells in that, in that building by His Holy Spirit. That's the image that Paul is using. Can you imagine what it must have been like if you were one of those Gentile believers in Ephesus, around Ephesus, feeling like you're a second-class citizen, you're not really part of the family, thinking that, well, God lives in the temple all the way in Jerusalem. If I want to go in to meet God and come into His presence, I have to go all the way to Jerusalem, and when I get there, I get assigned the cheap seats right at the back, and I can't get anywhere near God. They suddenly discover, now God doesn't live there. He doesn't live in the temple in Jerusalem, but rather He lives within us within the body of believers. And we have immediate and direct access to the presence of God. There's a story of a chief rabbi from uh, Jerusalem. He goes to, uh, to, to Rome and to Vatican City, and the Pope is showing him around, showing him all the sights. Afterwards, uh, the Pope invites the chief rabbi to his office in the Vatican for a cup of tea. And while they're sitting there having their cup of the tea, the chief rabbi notices a golden telephone on the Pope's desk. And the rabbi says, well, what, what's, that, what's that telephone? And the Pope says, that's my direct line to the Almighty. You can have a go if you like. So the chief rabbi picks up the phone and has a good chat to God, speaks to him about a couple of problems he's having back in Jerusalem, asks for some suggestions. After a while, he hangs up. The Pope says... That's 10,000 euros. Oh, rabbi, the chief rabbi is a little put out, but he, he cocks up the money, pays up. A couple of years later, the, the Pope comes to visit the chief rabbi in Jerusalem, and the rabbi takes him around, shows him all the sites around old Jerusalem, the Wailing Wall, and so on. Afterwards, they go to the chief rabbi's office for a cup of tea. And the chief rabbi, I mean the Pope, sees that the, the chief rabbi's also got a golden telephone on his desk. And so the, rabbi, uh, the Pope asks the rabbi, well, what's that? Chief rabbi says, well, that's my direct line to the Almighty. You can use it if you like. So the Pope picks up the phone, has a chat to God, asks him for some advice about the sermon he has to give later on, asks for some good opening illustrations and a joke. He chuckles at God's offerings and then hangs up. And the chief rabbi says, that'll be two shekels. The Pope says, well, how come it's so cheap? And the chief rabbi says, it's a local call from here. <laughs> Let me just say, if you put your faith in Jesus, it won't even cost you two shekels. Because we have a direct access to the very presence of God. Anytime we want, by faith, we can speak to God and we can experience God's presence. We don't have to travel to Jerusalem. We don't have to go to any special sacred spot. We are told that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. And we have direct access. And so if we put our faith in Jesus, although once we too, like the Christians around Ephesus, were far away, 
We were separated from God. We were without hope. But now, because of what Jesus has done for us, through faith in Jesus, we can become first-class citizens. We can become the family of God. We become the temple of God. And God dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, still, there, there's often barriers and walls in the church. Things that divide us, things that are obstacles and barriers for others joining. Wouldn't you love an open church? Uh, one of my favorite stories is, is, is one uh, about a guy called Clarence Johnson. And he was a, a preacher and he was going around, this is way back, he was going around in about the 1950s to various revival meetings in South Carolina. At that time, of course, there was a lot of racism and segregation. Nevertheless, he came to one particular church uh, of a couple hundred and he discovered that it was completely integrated, blacks and white Christians worshipping together. And afterwards he went up to the old hillbilly preacher and he said, well how did your church become like this? Like what? asked the preacher. Well you know, uh, uh, integrated, uh, you know, racially integrated, was it because of the decision? What decision? asked the preacher. Well, the Supreme Court's decision to end segregation. What's the Supreme Court got to do with our church? Clarence, Clarence wasn't about to let the issue drop, and so he pressed on and he said, Well, you must know that your church is racially integrated, and this is very unusual down here in the South. How did it happen? Well, said the preacher, we were a small church, and when our previous minister left, we couldn't find a new preacher. So I said to the church meeting that I would preach, and they agreed. And so the first Sunday, I preached on Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28 that says, We're all one in Christ. There's neither male nor female, Greek or Jew, slave or free, but we all one in Jesus. And if things like skin color doesn't matter, and if we aren't all one in Jesus, then we aren't real Christians. Afterwards, the deacons called me into the back room and said, we don't want any more preaching like that. What did you do, asked Clarence? Well, I fired them deacons. <laughs> How come they didn't fire you? Well, I didn't they didn't hire me. And as soon as I found out what was bugging them, I preached it. I preached that church down to four or five. But then slowly, new people started joining, and then more and more, and slowly we grew. That day when Clarence left, he was driven back by a university professor who had driven 40 miles to come and hear that old man preach. And Clarence asked him, he said, why would you drive 40 miles to hear that old guy preach? He can't barely utter a sentence without making a grammatical error. And the university lecturer said, I drive 40 miles to listen to that man preach. Because he preaches the good news of Jesus. Wouldn't you like an open church? A church with no walls. No barriers, no divisions, no obstacles, but open to everyone. And just a roof to prevent the coconuts from falling on our head.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that through Jesus, all division, all wars, all barriers have been destroyed. That Jesus brought peace. That Jesus brought peace amongst people, amongst all the divisions that we set up with different nationalities, different races, different whatever, have been destroyed in Jesus. That in Jesus, we're all one. We're all fellow citizens. We're all part of the family. And more than that, you take this new humanity and you bring it straight into the very presence of God so that we can experience God and know God personally. Father, we pray that we would be conscious of your Spirit, that you would fill us with your Spirit and your presence, that you would minister to us so that we can become the people you have called us to be, that we would become all that you have in store for us, And that we can share this wonderful good news with others. We pray that our church would be an open church. Help us to remove all barriers and obstacles. Help us to have open arms to welcome and embrace all. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.